0: Bums on Seats on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: Ladies and
2: gentlemen, just a word of warning.
3: You're a mess, aren't you? I'm not very tall either.
2: Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. slightly
0: odd start to bums on seats there everyone but that's in honor of Movies on the Meadows. Welcome, by the way. I'm Ashley Capaldi. we got Dave with us today.
4: Hello.
0: Mark. Hello. Bridget. Hi there. And Lorcan. Hello. So we are going to get into our usual fair of deep diving into all the good and great that's coming up in the cinemas around Cambridge. And also our oldie but goodie. It's not actually that old Shawshank Redemption. If it's an oldie, then we all are. Um, we played you a little bit of music at the start there. You might recognise Wolfman Jack as the DJ who plays in the background of the film American Graffiti, which is playing on, what? how would you describe Monday night? When it's a
1: Monday night, indie
0: I, retro extravaganza. The,
1: the cult film night. The
0: cult film night at Movies on the Meadows. So Dave, you're there, you're a photographer official for the film festival, I'm going to say it. Oh, that's you nice. are? I think you are. I
1: was in the programme last year.
0: So, ah, yeah, and so go. are all your photos. So if you see any photos of any film festival stuff, it's pretty much Dave's work. Or ha- Jean-Luc.
1: Let's or not think Or jean
0: Oh yes, he's also... <laughs> um, how was the first night, by the way? Yesterday it started.
1: It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, we had a packed, I, I was going to say packed house, packed meadow. You know, everyone packed turned meadow. out, food trucks were... Booming for business, mm-hmm. you know. It's taken and Honor actually ran out of food. Cool. That was just like wow, <laughs> but you know they're coming back tonight. So so it's the whole
0: the- bank holiday weekend. We've yeah. talked about it tons on um, stage and screen on Thursdays and on previous Bums on Seats, but Movies on the Meadows is here. Part of the Cambridge Film Festival. It's four nights of films across the Bank Holiday weekend. So it's on that meadow in Granchester, sort of between Trumpington and Granchester. If you've never been before, explain the setup, Dave, because there's three films per night listed. But how does it work?
1: Oh, uh, how it works is you come in, you uh, you get your ticket, you get a little wristband, you go and collect a radio, and then you tune your radio into the film that you want to watch. And we've got three giant inflatable air screens projecting all the images onto them and everyone just kind of uh, we've we've rearranged the setup this year so instead of three crowds it's just one crowd and you just look at your oh. film you know you're still Because they are all kind of dotted around
0: the meadow, weren't they, before? Yeah, but we've we've changed
1: it all up this year and it it just looks brilliant. You can see all three screens at once, but your radio can't tune into all three, so maybe don't try that.
0: Don't try that. You can flip between. You're going to have to swivel about, though. Um, Take cash with you if you're going along. Yeah,
1: cash only, uh, on site. Because the internet doesn't like us very much. The internet does not
0: like yeah. us out there. You can rock up from about 6 pm. The films start once the sun goes down, which is about quarter past eight these yeah, days. Quarter isn't
1: past it? eight to 8:30
0: and and if you didn't realize it's escorcio all weekend so you're not going to get rained on
1: no no rain maybe bring a jumper it does cool down because we're by the river in the evenings it but does. last night i was walking around with the shorts and t-shirt until the very end of the evening
0: Ah, so, so what lovely films do we have coming up for us this evening on movies on the meadows can anyone see
1: so tonight's the uh, the blockbuster night uh, so the, this is you know avengers endgame on screen one We've got the big, big Marvel film.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, of course...
0: One of your favourites of the year. I remember you going on and on and on about it, and it's too scary for me to watch.
1: Yeah, and also there's so many different colours that you just get confused, so... We, <laughs> we don't want to confuse you. <laughs> um, we've also got Free Solo, which yeah. is the the documentary about you Alex You also Honnold. liked this? That was my number one film of last year. Uh, and then we've, we've got Fisherman's Friends.
0: For the... Lorcan's Randy Grandma crowd, as he calls it. You've
2: I, don't, I didn't say that was a Randy Grandma film.
0: But I think it's the same crowd, maybe. No, this, this, <laughs>
2: is the, this is the old nationalists going, grabbing a pint and taking it on the field.
0: <laughs> but So that's what's coming up this evening, everyone. So you can pick through one of those. And on Sunday, it's kind of, it's a it's family, family fun night. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what have we got coming up on Sunday?
1: Uh, my parents, for one thing. Wonderful. But also uh, Mary Poppins Returns, you know. That, I liked that yeah. uh, we've also got How to Train Your Dragon 3 mm-hmm. which is you know fantastic not one of my films dragon. of the year okay. but it, it, it's a really remember, good ending to the trilogy
0: yeah Rowan yeah. on, on Thursday on stage and screen said he actually pretty li- he liked that grown-up man liked it cool yeah
1: <laughs> uh, and we've also got monterey pop which is the the documentary the classic good. festival and that's what my dad's coming for basically yeah. mum will watch mary pop
0: i might rock up and watch that actually because it's you are the weather yeah. is with you so yeah. that's i wouldn't bother going out to try something like that i wasn't sure about but if it's going to be sunny you can tune into a 1960s outdoor music concert
1: and it's going to feel like the right appropriate weather for it as well that's the I'll best I'll dress thing. up
0: I yeah. love a good dress up and the piece of music we heard at the top of the show is from one of the films showing on Monday night which is my favorite looking night what have we got on Monday night Oh,
1: so Monday night this is like a cult film night this is mm-hmm. the one for the film geeks this is for us so uh, first of all we've got Monty Python and the Holy Grail Can't on the big on. screen it's going to be that immense. would be
0: a fun bank holiday night out because you've I anyone seen that on a big screen before or just on telly it's just no, a TV have. thing. Have you? <laughs> yeah, we showed, it you. we
1: showed it at an outdoor screen, film screening at university.
0: Oh, that was there. because you went there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, like gather a group of friends. That'll be a brilliant way to see out the end of the bank holiday. Yeah. And what's on the other two screens?
1: Uh, so American Graffiti, as we've
0: mentioned. Which is where that DJ Muzak came Wolf from Man at the beginning. Walkman Jack. Yeah. Jack. Uh,
1: and also Doctor Strangelove completing the group. Uh, you can't get more kind of cult classic than that, really.
4: You really Although can't. Cult
1: is maybe the bad word because I think everyone has seen that film. And it's a masterpiece.
0: You'd think that. Our oldie but goodie, though, coming up at the end of the show, I had never seen. And other Mark, not Mark Baylor, was shocked and appalled. We're going to be running through um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for you today. Good Boys, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark crawl, we'll play a little bit of music from Pain and Glory, and then we're going to be focusing on Shawshank Redemption. So we've got a new thing happening on Bums on Seats where we revisit a classic film that may not have been reviewed by this demographic of reviewers when it came out, and it would have come recently back onto something like Netflix or Amazon, so it's now widely available for you. Thank you, Dave, for filling us in on the brilliant work going on on Grantchester Meadows. Um, we're going to visit 1960s Hollywood now.
1: I'm Rick Dalton It's my pleasure I'm Mr. Schwartz
2: I'm in Marvin Put it there That your son? No, it's my stunt double Cliff Booth Last night we watched A Rick Dalton Double feature <laughs> All the shooting
3: <laughs> I love that stuff You know The killing A
2: lot of killing Ah uh,
0: Flat on my ass. And who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the no
2: Oh! <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel is... this town i can all change like that
0: So Quentin Tarantino, we all know him. I was about to say we all love him. Probably not the case. Um, He's revisiting the classic, well, one of the classic eras of Hollywood. It's been around long enough now. The 60s era of Hollywood. So faded TV actor, that would be Leonardo DiCaprio and his stunt double slash friend, Brad Pitt. So they're striving for success in a golden era of Hollywood. And it's set on the backdrop. I don't think there's any spoilers in this against... The Manson Murders. He shows up in the trailer. Um, w- Mark, <laughs> you said before we went on air you went into this with very low expectations. So are you just not a Tarantino fan, or did you smell a mile off that you thought this might be a bit self-indulgent?
3: Yeah, it well, was not so much. Yeah, I, I, I like Quentin Tarantino, so I'm not. I, I'm not not a fan, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, just from picking up bits and pieces from, you know, seeing clips on, on TV, or people, what people had said on TV, that it was overly long, that it was quite self-indulgent, that it didn't really sort of Cheat go, hours any, go anywhere. Minutes. And, and you look at the runtime and you think, crikey, that is quite, quite long for a film that doesn't really seem to be, if if it was, you know, was they were they're right, that it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, so I, I thought, you know, yeah, I went in, not, I wouldn't say really low expectations, but with a, a little sort Of trepidation really as to, as to how long the night was going to feel sitting in the cinema. But you know, I have to say, I was actually really pleasantly surprised by it. Um, yeah, it is quite long, um, <laughs> clearly. Did you say that But, see the I, hate didn't, flight, but I never, it never, to me anyway, it never felt like it was dragging. Um, it, it kind of moved along for me quite, quite nicely, actually. There were certain scenes that you kind of felt dragged on, maybe a little bit long, but the film as a whole, um, you know, I, I thought was, um, you know, it felt. You know, it had had me quite compelled throughout, and I think it's it's helped by you've kind of got this fact and fiction kind of coexist quite happily throughout, um, which I think was always quite interesting. I mean, think you got know, Bruce Lee makes an appearance, or, or you know actor playing Bruce Lee, and and um, Steve McQueen as well, and a few others, and then obviously you've got you know Sharon Tate in there as well, and her storyline kind of running parallel to to what we see with you know DiCaprio's character, and that I think I felt you know, was quite intriguing. Actually, it was quite interesting and. And then, it, of course, it all comes together, you know, quite spectacularly, <laughs> um, and towards the end as well. And, which, you know, I'm not quite sure really what I what I think about that, to be quite honest. But the, um, you know, the events in the film, the, the characterisation, and, and and of course, an absolutely pumping soundtrack, which is brilliant as well. Um, you know, I had me, you know, hooked really all the way through the film. So um, plenty of interesting things to take away from it.
0: Yeah. So the you mentioned the ending there and I think that's what, I didn't hate it throughout by any stretch, but the ending, I was just like, ah, you nearly had it, guys. And I didn't feel fact and fiction sat that well alongside each other. But Lorcan, you you were a much bigger fan of this film. So what did it for you with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood?
2: Um, well, I think there's, there's definitely too much to talk about in just like one 20-minute slot. I've had hours and hours worth of conversation with various people um, about just kind of, there's so much to unpack and I think uh, even now my interpretation of the film is still very fluid. Um, I don't think the film is as rambling and uh, meandering as people have said it is. I think one of the strong strengths to, strong strengths, uh, one of the Things that impresses me most about Tarantino sometimes is the rewatchability of his movies, and then it there is there is always a lot to unpack, and the more you rewatch it, the more you get it. Um, I think this is definitely one that people need to rewatch a good few times before they really start to get into why why he dwells on th- certain things for so long. Um, and rewatching it a second time, as I did, um, I appreciated the character elements so much more because I. I did. A little, I didn't really know much about Manson or Sharon Tate or the Tate murders and what happened afterwards, the fallout. So I did. I did some reading up just to be curious, um, and the film was not what I expected. Um, and so the whole the whole way of watching the first watching the movie for the first time, I was like, okay, when's 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 the Manson stuff going to happen? Where's where's all of this going? And that preoccupied my mind. Watching it again, I'm like, oh my god, this is such an incredible character drama. This is such a detailed effort-filled love letter to that era that you can tell Tarantino is just obsessed with and I just loved every second of it the two hours 40 minutes absolutely fly by for me
0: that's so I came into it with the exact same preoccupation but because I know a lot about the Manson murders and it's a it's a genre of events that I'm quite interested in so I was waiting 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 and just getting annoyed that that part of the film hadn't started yet So maybe I need a second watch too. Dave, did it drag for you? What did you think of? Did you see the Hateful Eight? By the way, I did. So lots of people complained that that dragged because it was very purposefully slow and quiet. But did this drag for you?
1: I I don't think either of them dragged for me. I I
0: liked the Hateful Eight. (laughs) Yeah, the Hateful Eight. I thought it
1: was just kind of bombastic throughout and just kept going and going and going. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this one this one definitely felt like more more of a slow burner. But I kind of like those type of films. They're films that give me a chance to actually think about something you know it's all well and good having punching and shooting and explosions but every now and again you need a rest <laughs> and, and, uh, Lest we um, end
0: up watching fast and furious or something
1: like that yeah yeah <laughs> uh, um, i mean uh, the, 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 it was just uh, it really was an ode to a certain time and you could see it in the absolute kind of dedication that he's put into the film as well you know all the frontings that they've taken and put over the top of the modern cinemas and then all the modern cinemas are like, actually, can we leave these on? Because they're really nice, and we like them better than what we've got now. So there's, there's some of them have still got them up, apparently. And it's like
0: so then... that, Another com- well, complaint or observation is that a lot of people felt this is maybe style over substance, but are they just saying that because it is so stylish?
3: Uh, I don't think, I think it's stylish, yeah. Okay. I that thought, you know, while I'm watching the film, I think I'm really loving how this is been put together you know how it's shot you know, the attention to detail is incredible it really uh, obviously I, I was only born in 1976 so obviously that's not an era that, that i know at all obviously but yeah how you would imagine it to be it felt really authentic um but without you know to say this without any substance you know, would be, you know, rub- you know complete rubbish, in my opinion, because, as, you know, Lorcan and David have said, you know, the characterisation um, that you get through drawing it out and, you know, taking, taking its time and everything, I think is, is huge. There's so much to unpack there, as, as Lorcan says, you know, I'm still, I've just seen it once and I'm still, sort of mulling it over and thinking things through. there's As I said earlier, there's so much to take away from it. Um, from a technical point of view, but also from, you know, from a narrative point of view as well.
0: Yeah, so is everyone's obviously, they've cleverly hinged all their promo on Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie starring this. What Were there any other stories or characters, performances that really stood out other than, well, even if you wanted to say something special about those top three, who really stuck in your mind in this?
2: I think rewatching watching it definitely... Uh, n- knowing what we know knowing what we know about Brad Pitt having seen it the first time watching his little idiosyncrasies throughout the whole film he is just absolutely fantastic I know a lot of people are saying it's really Brad Pitt's movie over I Leo's. love watching
0: YouTube clips of how he acts because he just has such a he, he has a tick for every character doesn't he and then you really pick it up when yeah. you see it all strung he's, together he's,
2: he's earning that dollar <laughs> um, I I actually rewatched. there's a I think a lot of people probably didn't like how much time is spent on Leo Filming this TV pilot because that I feel I feel like for a lot of people that maybe may have gone on a bit too long. Yeah. I loved that, that Dave is saying he. But so is that mm-hmm. is that not believers. where his
0: career or he feels his career is disintegrating or something or, yeah, or he is a like, person is just, it's mm-hmm.
2: just it's dragging kind of, dragging for him, this, isn't it? This yeah, is like this one day could be like the thing that saves him. Um, I actually rewatched the pilot episode that he's supposed to be acting in it's a real TV show called Lancer and the way Tarantino recreates those sets and like redoes the scenes in his own way is really fun to watch I highly recommend it it's on YouTube if you want to check it out Um, but all the performances throughout are great Margaret Qualley who is unfamiliar to me Mm. playing like a young seductress to Brad Pitt at one point and part of the Manson family she was absolutely fantastic just her movements and her (laughs) expressions as well as the way Mm. she intones absolutely fantastic there wasn't a bad performance in the bunch as far as I'm concerned
0: I definitely need a rewatch one
2: of the things I like just tipping up on Brad Pitt
3: uh, I thought he also caught my eye as well but I had flashbacks to Floyd from True Romance towards the end <clears throat> Won't really say anymore, but uh, oh sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I get it. <clears throat> one of his very early performance. performances, but yeah, no, they were all <laughs> fantastic. Though
0: we have so much to pack in today's show, but Dave, finally, anything else on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Soundtrack-wise, maybe on oh, music I aficionado, mean,
1: it, it, it's Tarantino at his best, isn't it? Really, when it comes to the soundtracks, you can take anything away from all of the films, and the thing that will come away be the most is you will be humming the songs forever and updating your Spotify playlist, which is what I did.
0: I imagine he handpicks <laughs> all the music. He would be that kind of director. I think he would yeah. probably pick everything himself. Yeah, I he? mean,
1: I've just gone back and rewatched uh, four of his films since then, which is why I haven't seen any other new films. <laughs> I've been busy working. <laughs> (laughs) on on tarantino tarantino uh,
0: also earning that dollar perhaps yeah (laughs) so that was once upon a time in hollywood it's out now and it's in all of the cinemas in town bums on seats on cambridge 105 radio massive change of pace now (laughs) we're switching over to some sixth sixth grade lads getting up to various shenanigans slightly less style and a lot less substance i imagine (laughs)
4: You win? Yeah. Can Thor and Lucas come? You're so random.
1: They're my best friends. We do everything together. There's so many girls at the party. You know what that means? Drama.
3: Oh, kissing. You do not want to go to Soren's party not knowing how to kiss. We could spy on my neighbor. She's a total nymphomaniac. She starts fires? No, she's a nymphomaniac. Someone who has sex on land and sea. If we don't get to that party, I'll die. Party? You guys are like seven. Stop treating us like kids.
0: We're tweens. Ooh, gummy vitamins. We know how things work. So, Good good Boys is an odd one. (laughs) So, it's um, produced by, what's his name, Seth Rogen, but it follows three sixth grade boys who have a ditch day um, and they end up in... A slight situation where they have to buy drugs from a... Sor- no, not a sorority boy. Hey, American what do we call boys who are in sorority houses? Frats. Frats, that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's from a frat house. um Someone loses their dad's drone, something like that. So it's, it's all good fun if you're 12, Mark, but this film is a 15. So the people who it's about and the people who I think were... Would be entertained by it. Can't even go to the cinema to see it. Were you entertained?
3: Um. Well, to no, to, a, to, a, to, a, to a, only to a limited degree. Because, like, like you say, it's hard to know who this is really pitched pitched for. Who's who's it aimed who's it aimed at? Because you say it's too slightly too raucous, ready to be aimed at the the, the kids we heard some bits in the trailer trailer as well in the the trailer and of course they're they're they're, they're, not to sound like a bit of a prude but their language for the age that they're at just seems completely inappropriate for the most part
0: there's um the uh, there's a trailer on youtube with seth rogan explaining to the actors i'm about to play the trailer for your own film that you're not old enough to watch because of what they say in the film and the trailer.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so it's a bit, so that's a bit strange. I I felt the the first half an hour, especially 45 minutes, this this idea for me wasn't really working. The idea of having these kids using language and and someone in, in a manner that's, you know, just appropriate for 15 films. That's immediately, there's something like off about that, but that didn't really work for me. I felt it was quite contrived as well. Um, what's happening there, the the rapport between the three of them didn't feel particularly natural, um, early on. For me, it got better as it went on. It got stronger and stronger throughout. Um,
0: yeah, I'd agree with that, because like, like you said, I, I agree as well that the rapport is a bit weird, but I think it's because when you're used to seeing things like super bad and book smart, you're seeing friends who are just deeply in love with each other because of the age that they are. Mm. That's the love of their life at that point. And I, I don't, I'm not sure kids these age have developed that deep of a relationship with each other. You've got Jacob Tremblay in there as the only name you'd really know, so he's the mm. kid from Room. Um, but I really liked um, the boy who played Lucas, Keith Williams. The kid who played Thor's pretty good. He was probably as close as you'd get to a layered sixth-grade <clears throat> character. Yeah, I'd I agree. would say. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a tough one. I'm not. If they'd made it a 12A, I think they would have done a lot better. In I turn, really have yeah, no idea the what they were going for
3: a little bit. Because I think the, 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 it's almost like if there's any kind of message to take away from it that's kind of directed to the wrong people because yeah, it's the
0: be kids. yourself don't grow up too fast that's it, exactly. have fun with your little friends while you can
3: yeah and and, that, and that's a really you know it's a really good message and, and in some ways the way they kind of you know come to you know make peace with the fact that they're changing is actually one of the stronger points of the film but, but yeah it, it's the, the, the people that are, the, they're portraying, they're not watching it. So I don't really get that. Um, yeah, and, I'm and it's I'm, I'm looking at the
0: director because it reminded me of a good story, Good Boys, that would make a brilliant TV show, perhaps, if it was more centred on all of the family members because we'd have a different places to go. And he was a producer on The American Office, the director, what's his name, Gene stip St- oh, Stipnitsky, why is that your surname? I can't say that live on the radio. But he was a producer on Bad Teacher, which I found really funny and pitched really well. He was a writer on Year One, which I liked, not just because Michael Sarah was in it. Um, but this, yeah, I didn't find it wildly funny. I don't want to hear what you say, Lorcan, but Booksmart was hilarious. <laughs> it was one of the funniest films of the year. But I only laughed a couple times mm. in this, whereas I laughed at pretty much everything. Everything everyone said it in book smart.
3: Yeah, I I I'd agree. It was there were bits that were sort of faintly amusing, particularly the the moments where their naivety really struck struck home. It, it went, there was a few points in that throughout the film where it kind of emphasises that, and that was quite quite funny. But yeah, it wasn't for the like, you know, yeah, it wasn't for the laughs throughout. It was sort of faintly amusing, well, than laugh out loud funny.
0: Just faintly amusing then. Well, that's good, boys. Like we said, for some reason, it's a certificate fifteen. So. I'm not sure who's going to go and see it. Mark and I did. It's on at The Light and The View in town. And that's about
2: it. Bums on
1: Seats on Cambridge 105 Radio.
0: And that was my attempt to change the tone again. We're about to go into a really early release of two kind of horror films, which we'll, we'll talk about why we think they're released at this time of year. We're going to start off with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. What's
3: that? It's a book of scary stories. Hey, what's going on?
0: Tommy's missing.
3: Tommy's name was in the book. There's no way it's actually connected, right? Okay, what if what happens in the book is exactly what's happened for real? Oh, my God.
2: Angie!
1: Stella! Listen, you're in the next story.
2: We're reading it right here. It's a corpse looking for her missing toe. (laughs)
4: I'm afraid that we woke something up.
1: You shouldn't have taken the book.
4: We've gotta stop it.
0: So that's scary stories to tell in the dark. It's a film about a collection of sort of traditional scary stories Um, a bit like Good Boys which we just talked about and we had a bit of a problem with because it's a 15 certificate pitched at kids we think are too young to see the film anyway this is also a 15 but it looks very very scary outwardly is it scary enough to frighten the 15s and over Bridget
4: do you think well it Definitely would have put the chills up me, but then I was a very weak and, <laughs> and feeble kind of teenager. I, if I was more the sort of, oh, I'm too cool for all this, your jump scares don't scare me, then, um, well, I don't know, it's lovely. It's, it's lovely. It's a lovely horror film. <laughs> lovely teen story. It's a lovely it's, um, anthology. It's based on the books by Alvin Schwartz mm-hmm. and especially the illustrations by Stephen Gamel, who drew all of these amazing monsters, and they've really been brought to life in this film. Um, but with um, Guillermo del Toro as producer, he's um, turned it more into an extended thing and added the framing elements of stories being something that if you tell and retell them, they can become real, and that stories yeah. can hurt you and stories can heal you. So it becomes about... Or you about... feel that way, at least. Yes, and, and talking of, of feeling that way as a teenager, <laughs> it goes right in at the beginning. It's, the, it's their last summer. It's the last summer of childhood! <laughs> so they've all got this thing going on where they've got to move on. They're a bit frightened to start with. And, and they've got all these old horrors in their lives, like the bullies and um, the, the sort of horrors of childhood okay. that they're trying to put behind them. And the film tries to weave the two feelings together.
0: So did, that, did you pull that much out of it, Lorcan, or Were or what, what were you looking for when you're watching a film like this?
2: Um, I think I, I wasn't expecting it to be scary, funny enough, because um, it, it does look like it's trying to be more of just kind of like a campy, fun Halloween movie. Um, I think what they there's clearly passion behind the film, which uh, you can just you can just tell they really cared about doing the best they, the best they could with this material. I know mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro. I think at one time he was going to direct it as well, and then he's got moved on to other projects, as always happens with del Toro. Um, so I think, you
0: have Andre Ovradal. in. Um, I really like, so you Bridget, you loved Troll Hunter.
4: Yes, that that was a, a, a quite inventive found footage. So that's without, another thing he yes. did.
0: I really liked mm. The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which he also directed. I liked that one as well. That yeah. was actually scary. So I was a bit worried going into this. So I think my expectations weren't pitched too high. They were pitched in a different place. I was expecting to be scarred. And were you scared at all, can-
2: Um No. I mean, there, there's a couple... Uh, the Creature design and production design. Uh, there is a there were a couple elements that kind of got me. A couple a couple of the stories themselves. I can imagine scaring kind of teenagers quite a bit. Um, I think the framing device. I'm a big fan of the th- anthology horror films in general. Um, I think the framing using the framing device as more of a narrative plot that overcomes the anthology element was clever and interesting. The problem is you need to really work hard to integrate these stories into that narrative. And the film directly references EC Comics, kind of like Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, the stuff that Stephen King grew up on. Um, And those stories, um, the key word is irony. You need you need a humor or catharsis, like bad comeuppance coming to bad characters, or just ridiculous things happen to like ridiculously nice characters. Um, there's not the the performances for the most part, I think, are actually too good, and the characters are actually a bit too real. Um, and there's there's no irony to the stories. It's just kind of like these characters that you kind of like or at least relate to. Um, these there crazy- was
0: no sort of fall guy in there. No one making fun of anything that was happening. There was from no what one. There was no
2: one over the top who like deserved right. a monster to come v- knocking on their door. It was just mm. kind of like, oh, I like this character, and now this awful thing is randomly happening to them.
0: That's very sad.
2: And it happens, <laughs> and then it's sad, and then we move on.
4: Yeah. Um, oh, there's the, the the callous jock at the beginning.
2: He doesn't like the scarecrow, and then the scarecrow comes after
4: him. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that, that. was really creepy, that scarecrow. So, the scarecrow is a story that I hate, and
0: that was, yeah, so the, the visual, the way they look, yeah, I didn't like that at all. Well, the way the face looked. Anyway. <laughs>
2: I think overall, the film can go off and join Gerald's game in terms of completely destroying the tone of your movie in you the last three or four hate minutes. That. I remember that. I remember that awful and it does it again here so i would say whenever you feel satisfied that the story is finished just leave the screen
0: why do we think then that this has come out at this time of year are they just trying something new are they trying to shove something in the summer blockbuster season for people who are missing
4: their their horror there's a big um, horror convention Fright Fest at the moment in London and this showed there so ah, perhaps they're tying it in, it in so you get your, your first viewing at Fright Fest and then it's out immediately and no one wants to compete against It too coming out around actual Halloween
2: the sequel to the highest grossing horror film in history I think
0: but you, you've got um, some, some dirt on it Lorcan was it you that said it, it it's there are some early, early
2: reviews rats, uh, that are quite divisive saying that it's um, maybe overly long and repetitious of the first one
0: but it's got Bill Hader in it.
2: National treasure, but...
0: And it's a story by Stephen King, we're about to revisit some of perhaps his finest work later. But so, Bridget, what do you think 15-year-old you would have made of this then? You said you were maybe a little bit skittish. I think yeah, I'd like, have been scared like, by this when I was 15. It's like the,
4: the ghost stories that you tell when you're around the campfire and you wind yourself up, and things that you look in the cold light of day aren't scary, but when, when you're all in the, in the position together... Um, that sort of thing happens and they're very believable characters i can i can believe i yeah i do friends. remember
0: yeah believing the very they're, they're very young actors as well aren't they and it's they're not overblown and i didn't think of that as being a negative but now yeah thinking back you need someone a bit campy to carry a,
2: the best a was film like this the best was uh actor austin zazura who i'd never heard of before but he was absolutely fantastic anyone. And he was trying his best to play to like to ele- elevate the kind of scene chewiness of his character so that it was more fun whenever he was being chased by a truly horrifying monster in one sequence. <laughs> um, but the rest of them, I think, were just playing it a bit straight and it was just like, again, like, these. this is a realistic character and this is a good performance uh, in a production design setting that's very bombastic and colourful and Halloween-y.
0: So do you think maybe Andre Overdal was maybe taking himself a little too seriously to, to do this Prop will deliver this properly or direct them in a way that would have
2: I think it's more the script the script yeah. is just a bit flat.
0: I don't know any of the writers actually. They've got but It looks lovely several the monsters. Them. are... <laughs> visually <buried>. yes. <laughs> yes.
4: And it's got a wax cylinder in which is an old <laughs> audiophile nerd I really appreciate seeing. <laughs> Although they never sounded as good as that. that. That really threw me out of the movie completely.
0: But anything else you really appreciated in this? I think you maybe liked mm. this a little more than Lorcan and I, Bridget. So anything else to get? Who would you send along to see this? This 15 certificate, not massively scary film. Who do you reckon should go and see it?
4: Um, yeah, sort of people age 15, obviously. <laughs> yeah, if, if you if you don't like people's arms being pulled off or their intestines being pulled out through their noses yeah. um it's it's softer horror isn't it actually yeah so i hate more, things more, like the less, saw less, franchise less is Saw, more nail file
0: okay less saw more nail file
4: manicure horror
0: okay that sounds lovely it is lovely <laughs> scary stories to tell in the dark it's out now um it's only showing at the light in town though but Continuing with the scary films that are coming out during the blazing bank holiday weekend, if you hate that kind of insufferable sunshine, why don't you pop yourself inside a darkened room and watch alligators running around a city?
4: Hayley, are you hurt? I'm fine.
0: Leaving you here. <laughs> so that's Crawl, <laughs> starring K. Ka- oh, the names, guys. Kaya. Godellario. Little sister from the first series of um That thing, that TV show, Skins. Um, But she's in Crawl. She's the lead actress, the young woman who is attempting to save her dad. They're in a category five hurricane, so their town's been flooded and all the alligators are now swimming around the roads and the houses like it's their own houses, which is my quite literal nightmare in case it was a different snappy, snappy, toothy, underwater animal that I can never deal with. Lorcan, it's well. This looks horrifying to me, but only because of my own phobias. Is it actually scary?
2: No, but I don't think he, <laughs> I don't think Alejandro or Alexander Aha, I think the director. It, the director, the um, director. I don't think Ajah. he's ever Aja. Aja. Okay, I don't think he's ever tried to be scary. He's always gone for more attention. His his breakthrough film was um, Switchblade Romance, but in France, in France, it was originally called High Tension, um, and he's he's. Anameg Lucy makes horror films, but I think he always goes from the, a more fun kind of keep him on the edge of the seat type stuff. He remade um, Hills of Eyes and stuff like that. Um, this film feels a lot like one of those high concept scripts that uh, is written by the Rasmussen brothers. It feels like they probably wrote it and then it was like, ooh, this is such a great idea. It's just, it's intrinsically marketable. Um, and then maybe they should have gone and revisited and added a bit more character and substance to it. Um, I think the second half's definitely a lot better than the first half. The first half's very slow and not quite enough content. But then once the premise that we're promised um, is delivered, it, ke- it keeps coming and then it really picks up, picks up the pace in the second half. Um, but overall, I'd say it's a kind of a mediocre cinema visit.
0: I'm surprised it even has a good second half. What did you take any characterization or story or people or connection from it at all, Bridget? Or do you just could they have been anyone? <laughs>
4: Oh, being chased they, by alligators they tried i mean, i was i was terrified just by driving in heavy rain that that freaked me out and and so uh, mild my, peril also my, yeah, freaks me out <laughs> yeah so my, my peril levels were quite high and it escalates one of the things i liked about the horror is i've seen a lot of monster movies but these were all real things real rain and floods and winds and houses breaking apart and real alligators but so that, is kind of thing that, yeah. sorry, that is the kind of thing that would scare me, so this maybe it's, would be scarier than I thought. It scared me a lot, and a couple of people left after 30, 40 minutes. Because they were scared or because it was bad? Possibly, but then <laughs> they're trapped in this very tense situation, very difficult to escape, real sort of scylla edge of survival thing... And they have a father daughter moment about just the one oh, did I, did did you break up with Mom because you were spending too much time being my coach at swim meets. No, darling, it's not about you. It's spoiler about you. Spoiler well <laughs> it, it deserves uh, to be it spoiled, it sounds like <laughs> didn't need to be there at all. None of that
2: well they need something they just didn't know how to handle like a human element in this ridiculous story it
4: was such a ludicrous tonal shift and the alligators were still there and it oh didn't... yeah no
2: it's completely inappropriate <laughs> but always like
4: there. there's
2: this kind of this this kind of film made in the 70s i feel like would have they would have handled the material much better like the whole humanization humanizing backstory would have just been kind of integrated much better into the story and it wouldn't distract but yeah this is like what it says it's very much scenes of two tones trying to coexist,
0: but so it's it's redeemed. Well, I say it's redeemed itself. It was a relatively cheap film to make, and that might not be a redeeming quality. It's, it's doubled its money already. So who has gone to see this at this time of year? What's we keep asking this this week? I don't know why, but who's it for? <laughs> who would enjoy this?
2: Groups of teenagers that want to watch a fun monster movie, and I think it's perfectly serviceable at that.
0: Okay.
4: Any other redeeming qualities Bridget? Nice enough. Again, if you if you do like the gore and the chomping and the snapping and I the jump scares, <laughs> then then I would I would say See Crawl and if you don't like that, then see Scary Stories. No, ma'am. Okay. Well, that's Crawl. That's out at the Light
0: and the View in town. It's looking like a certificate 15.
1: So move it on over, move it on over, move it on over,
2: move it on over, move over, little dog, cause the big dog's moving in. She's changed the lock on our front door, and my
1: door key don't fit no more, so get it on over, move it on over, scoot it on over, move it on over, move over, skinny dog, cause the fat dog's moving in.
0: So a new little bit we're doing on Buns on Seats. We're encouraging our loyal listeners to go back and revisit a classic they may not have seen, or if you have seen it, hopefully we're going to cast a new fangled modern eye over it. So films that came out in the 90s, as Shawshank Redemption did, were probably not reviewed by Too Many Girls. Hey Bridget, um, so we're gonna try and share our thoughts on this film that I had never seen. Bridget hadn't seen for a good many years, and I think a couple of us are revisiting after a long time as well. So I played your little Hank Williams there. Um, I can't quite remember which prisoner it is that's obsessed with Hank Williams, and he gets to listen to a bit. Spoiler alert! But if you've never seen The Shawshank Redemption, it's a story of two imprisoned men who have a really brilliant friendship actually it lasts a, a very many decades um so they find solace together and eventual redemption in their own ways um and it's they are two it says common acts of decency is what binds them and they are two very decent characters you've got tim robbins as andy De. F- oh, De Fren- <laughs> say it Andy de what? Dufresne. Dufresne. And Morgan Freeman as Red, so Ellis Boyd Redding, um, with tons of other brilliant, smaller characters in there. So, Lorcan, will let you set the tone on this one. Oh. You, um, You're not... Quite maybe you were like the original intended audience who didn't rush to see this This The Shawshank Redemption famously bombed at the cinema it cost about 25 million dollars to make and only made about 28 million when it came out in cinemas but has since gone on to be is it the number one ranked film on IMDb?
2: It's been at least for a very long time it's been the number one film uh, user rating wise in terms of the number of people that have reviewed it and the rating they've given it's been number one for a long time Um, Maybe it bombed because it's alongside Planet of the Apes in terms of the marketing has completely spoiled the film so that I feel like if anyone thinks of the film, they automatically think of the ending before they've even seen the film. I mean, even the poster we have up on IMDb is very giveaway
0: Well, it it looks like an early noughties boy band music video to me. Well, it's very (laughs) inspirational in that sense, I guess.
2: Um, This is the ultimate, this is the ultimate, please, sir, maybe watch a film today instead of doing any work, um, (laughs) which I think for me links it to the reason I kind of always forget about this film, because I think it's it's just so innocuous. Um, It has a convincing period setting. It has convincing performances. It has a string of um, interesting ideas, a steadily plotting plot, Uh, Decent dialogue, but it is as twee as that sweater Yunnan gave you.
0: (sighs) Ah, you and your randy (laughs) grandmas. But this is so... Frank Darabont wrote the screenplay. It's off of um, Stephen King's story, um, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, I think, is the whole title. Um, He also did The Green Mile. But this is the kind of film I really like. So I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I wrote it off because I don't think I was the core demographic when I became old enough to know what it was, sort of girl in the late 90s. This is not the kind of thing I wanted to be watching. Um, But this is now the kind of story I really love. It's... A very high-end buddy film, and I do love a good relationship and character study. Did Dave, you was it the first time you saw it? You just watched it this morning, actually, or had you not seen it for very many years?
1: I first saw this when I was eleven or twelve. I can't remember, and I missed it in the cinemas because I was. Too young to go when I lived in America, <laughs> and by the time we came back to the UK, it had dropped out of UK cinema
0: Because it bombed at the cinema.
1: Yeah, and then my it was either my mum or my dad got it on video, sat me down in front of the TV with my sister and said, you have to watch this film, it's amazing. And so it why
0: there. did they say they loved it, and did you share their...
1: Uh, I can't remember why. they. Like, <laughs> it's very difficult to know why my mum likes the film, unless it's just you know it makes her cry and then she's like oh this must be good
0: the ending <laughs> Whereas, was it was yeah. surprisingly sad i wasn't expected to be touched by it i was i, I was expecting to be to be quite a euphoric ending which it is but i think it's just tim robbins and morgan freeman together those guys are masterful together and i believed that they loved each other
1: I don't, there was no question. There. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, for me, there was not sorry. <laughs> so when I when I first saw it, I was kind of you know I was, I what really held me captive as a child was the story. I thought the story was absolutely brilliant, and you know back then, if the actors were doing their thing, I didn't really care so much. It's only when I go back and watch it now, I'm like they're not just doing their thing; they're doing it absolutely superbly. Uh, it's not just Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins in the. You've got the best what is it we we call them the darabont gang he's got this set mm-hmm. of character actors he drags onto everything uh james whitmore especially as brooks who's the old librarian oh. uh, you know is just like but he, the warden bob the gunton first. was
0: incredible as well but sorry yeah. go on about um brooks
1: yeah he's the first indication so the, the the film starts out dark it you know he's put on trial he's sent to prison the very first night in the prison there's terrible events happening yeah. everywhere and then the first ray of kind of like light and hope that you see is where he meets brooks at breakfast the next day and brooks has rescued a tiny little crow called jake and he Mm. feeds him a mealworm inside his cardigan and (laughs) it's like oh that's like library person requirement because andy (laughs) ends up working in the library and gets cardiganed up by the cardigan
0: bird in the pocket
1: (laughs) and i also appreciate this i never noticed how they portray the passage of time so well in the film without making it obvious yeah so
0: it's very you, subtle aging as well isn't it
1: yeah you, you watch any film these days like even once upon a time in hollywood we know when it's set but there's also this thing where they they do a time jump but it comes up in the big title card five months later or something mm. in <laughs> thank short you
0: tarantino we got yeah. it
1: <laughs> it's all these background things like the way their their hairstyles change you know their hair goes slowly grayer the Andy new prisoners wearing cardigans.
0: In. yeah, yeah different was...
1: hairstyles for tommy because he shows mm-hmm. up in rock and roll time and Mm. he's got the Elvis hair he looks like Mm.
0: Elvis yeah
1: Brooks gets paroled and goes outside and there's cars everywhere and he went to prison in 1905 when they didn't and also the crow grows up and it's just and they they show how much time is passing without ramming it down your throat and that's one of the things that hit me more this time it was beautifully done absolutely wonderful
0: Mark, there's. So, Lorcan sort of alluded to the fact that it was just a nice enough story. There's quite a lot of fantastical elements. Was there anything that you didn't really believe? Because, in order to make. A decades-long stretch in prison. Interesting. A few things have to pop up. So Tim Robbins's character is, was a very successful. He does. Did he do people's taxes or, mm. yeah, yeah? So he's a successful banky money person. Ends up helping a couple prison guards, scoring some free gifts. Like and and they end up. Doing up the prison in various ways and trying to make everyone's lives better around them. Did you believe those elements of the story, or did you at least accept and appreciate that they were devices to keep you going over a forty-year stretch inside?
3: Um, yeah, I, it's certainly more the former. I never, the latter, never, never really occurred to me when I watched it. When I reflected on it and thought, well, that was just necessary to keep things interesting. I always felt like it was really authentic and genuine i mean as, as david says the way this the story the characters are so real and so believable um and you're so invested in, in everything and i think also again like david said it's quite it is quite dark i mean i'm not quite sure uh, twee would probably be the last thing that i'd use a word that i use to describe <laughs> he's very cynical to, walking, be, very to be cynical. honest <laughs> um especially um in that the first sort of part of the film uh, it's, it's very dark and it's very in, in parts you know quite quite down and quite you know depressing um and that that me just made it feel more more real you know those moments of, of, of light that that happened and there were very few of them really when you think about that stretch of time that they're in prison for um and it kind of made them all the more significant because because they were so rare and they were to, to be treasured so um yeah for me i I kind of felt that I was so invested in what was happening, in the characters, the story, and everything. They just felt like a, um, a very welcome, but sort of quite a natural fit to the story.
2: Really,
0: it's it powers through. It's two minutes fifteen, roughly, I think. And I started it this morning to watch for the first time, having come to it, what?
2: Two hours <laughs> twenty.
0: Two minutes fifteen. Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it really goes by. Only two minutes. Yeah. So, and I I, I saw the, the the time stamp. I was like, oh, I've got to troll through this. Two hour film at eight AM on a Saturday. But it really powers along. So Bridget, did you have you only seen this the once when it first came out? And what did you make of it? Originally intended audience that you were? <laughs>
4: uh I, I have only seen it once, but it was only about fifteen years ago, not twenty five.
0: Oh, it's the twenty fifth anniversary, isn't it? I can't yes, do that. Yes, a long, maths. long <laughs> time
4: 1994. ago. Nineteen ninety four. Um, yes, oh, no, I, I remember being very impressed with it while I was watching. But the, the nuance and incisiveness of my opinions has rather mm-hmm. drifted away over time. They've been honed was, uh... for your years on Bums on Seats, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: But do you, so, why did you watch it 15 years ago? Then, why did you watch this 10-year-old film? Do you remember? It was meant
4: to be really good, mm-hmm. and it was easily available on video from mm-hmm. and oh, and Blockbuster. Ah rip, Blockbuster! Uh, and yeah, yeah it, was, it was really good. It was a great, um, great character study of, of the men. Um, I, I think I'd probably have more to say about the politics of what goes on in the prison now yeah. than I really noticed at the time. That's, no, yeah, thanks for reminding me, because that's, we,
0: we still have those conversations and it's held up you think it's being held up as a really positive thing, oh, let's put these guys to work, and say, oh, how forward-thinking that is in the prison system. And if you know the prison system in the US now, it's actually horribly foreshadowing of the fact that the whole system has been monetized. Another reason this might have been panned at the cinema was that it was up against Schindler's List. It was Schindler's List year at the Oscars and the piano... So yeah, that's. I do. Do we think it deserves to be held up alongside films like Schindler's List and The Piano? Is it that good or no?
1: I mean, I'm. I'm all for all of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a, all three, a, yes. All
1: three, yeah. Put them all at number one. I, I don't.
3: Mark, yeah, are they all on know, par? Yeah, I mean, gosh, Yeah, to compare films like that's always difficult, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, it's right up there. For me, it's been you know, my personal sort of number one film for. Pretty much ever since I I saw it, and I I missed it at the cinema when it was on, but I I would you know would have been old enough to go and see it then. But I caught it on video. I think fairly soon after it came out on video, because the word the buzz then was was very quick. This this film it was amazing, and it you know it, I remember seeing it. Got a lot of I think it got quite a lot of Oscar nominations, didn't it? It seemed to come up a lot. I remember watching the Oscars that year, and it came up a lot of I don't know, I think it didn't win. An awful lot, if anything I can't Didn't make actually any recall. Money. But I, that was when I first <laughs> heard about it, and then when it came out on video, and there uh, was a lot, of, a lot of positive buzz. And then ever since then, yeah, I saw it, and since, it's, it's been number one. I just think it's I think it's not just the character study and not just the, the strength of the story, but it's, you know, not to sound too corny, but it's like a triumph of the human spirit, really, what happened at the end. And when you, you kind of almost expect it to be quite a depressing, dark ending, because it seems to be building that way, and then it completely.
4: I it found takes it a bit of a really swerve, but not in a really action.
3: bad way. Yeah. It, it, it done badly, perhaps it could have been really jarring. But I think the way it's done, um, and then the, then the kind of flashback you see after is when you see what what Andy was doing, how he was preparing for it, and how he kept that positive outlook all those years. You know, to actually you know get the do what you had to do. do what you had to do. Yeah.
0: Look, and I'm guessing you've got a slightly less
2: well, I've, Jubilant. Got, I've got a theory about Shawshank Redemption <laughs> that if this actually is what Frank Darwin was going for, I would give the movie a lot more credence. So I, I think that Shawshank Redemption might be one of the gayest movies ever made. Mm. Um, so you've got a protagonist whose idyllic heterosexual life has ended not by his own hands, but by what he later calls is something similar to fate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's estranged and imprisoned. Uh, he mates uh, Red, who's also estranged from the world. Um, and Red fulfills his every need. Oh. Um, the editor towards homosexuality at the time is reflected in the prison um, the only explicitly gay characters is referred to as the sisters and at one point um, the warden they're not uses, gay they're not even
0: human they yeah.
2: say yeah. Uh, at one point the warden even threatened sodomy as kind of like a fate worse than death mm-hmm. um, whenever um, at one point uh, Tim Robbins proposes to Red that if freed he should go to the point where Tim Robbins proposed to his ex-wife uh, and that's where he eventually finds out where to find him and um, the less said about uh, Tim Robbins' escape route, the better. Um, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> They don't, don't think about it too much. Okay.
4: Um,
2: it's discovered that uh, Tim Robbins has used his fondness for peer-approved female sex idols as a guise to his true, uh, his true intentions. Oh
0: yeah. Um, He's thought about
2: this. Whenever Tim Robbins <laughs> leaves the prison, Morgan Freeman has this kind of void in his life, and then whenever they're both free, they meet up in Mexico, where anything goes, and they go boating together. So okay. that's my little theory. And if that's I think what, that quite, what Frank Darabont was going for, then that's quite interesting. But as far as I'm aware, he hasn't addressed it. It might this. be I a
0: 2019 a view on it, but that's what we're aiming for today on Bums on Seats. So the gayest film ever made, The Shawshank Redemption.
4: We'll meet again. Don't know where. I don't know when But I know we'll meet again Some
0: sunny day I'll play you out with a little beer, Thanks for listening this week, everyone. I'm playing this because, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Movies on the Meadows is in full force on this glorious bank holiday weekend. And if you go along to... What's it, what's it called again Monday night? What are you calling it, the programme?
1: Like the cult film night.
0: Cult film night. Yeah. You can watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail, American Graffiti, or Dr. Strangelove. And Vera Lim will play you out at the end of Dr. Strangelove, should you wish. Go to cambridgefilmfestival.org.uk for all the info you need on Movies on the Meadows. Thanks for listening to Bums on Seats. We'll repeat it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock if you missed anything today. Stick around today, though, if you're listening on Saturday, because bookmark's on straight after us. And if you're listening to our repeat on Sunday, if it'll let me click and tell you, Jazz Today is on after us if you're listening to us and it's three o'clock for you now. Thank you, Lorcan. Thank you. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
4: Thank you.
0: Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And thanks for all the photos from Movies on the Meadows. Get yourself down there, Trumpington. Have a lovely bank holiday weekend, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks' time.